0: We want to declare that impact church is a church of resurrection power. Do we believe that it's a church where the power of God is present to heal and to restore and to deliver. Every time we come together, we want to declare what God says about us. We're a church where the word of God is taught in its entirety. We believe it from Genesis to revelation. There's no ifs ands, or buts in the word of God. If it says it, we believe it. If it says it, we believe it and I've said it a hundred times and I keep telling myself I can not afford to have any opinion other than what that word of God says. And so I have also found out that Holy Spirit is our teacher. And so if there's anything that we don't understand, just pray and ask him, Holy Spirit, would you teach? Would you teach? Would you show me what this is? Would you clear this up? So we Holy Spirit is an incredible friend, counselor, teacher. So there's so much, and today is such an appropriate time that we had the songs we had. We're having water baptism. It's such an appropriate time because the message today is on warfare worship. And if we ever need to understand warfare worship, it's today. Now, the first couple of few minutes, I'm going to talk about something that it's going to really need to be unpacked at a later date. So just trust me on on these. I've got scripture for everything. But we have to understand what worship really means, and you know, warfare worship is really two two sides of the same coin. And we may not always as associate warfare with worship. And I think there's been a real disservice done in the body of Christ because through the through the recent decades, there's been a real emphasis on. Uh, no, we're back on the first slide. <laughs> on the <laughs> there's been a real emphasis on uh, uh, this uh, soaking, and I, I love. So there's nothing wrong with soaking, but if all you do is soak. What good is that doing? There's got to be, see, worship is not an end in and of itself. There's a purpose for worship. There's a purpose for worship. And we have to understand, uh, you know, that it's not just, a, I mean, it's wonderful to be in God's presence. But I love what Chuck Pierce says. He says, we ascend in worship, we descend in war. And intimacy with God is so important as we develop that worship relationship. Because without intimacy, let me tell you, re- listen carefully. Without intimacy, you really can't war. There's a lot of saints that's been running around trying to war with no intimacy with God. If you can't hear the voice of God, you're going to, you're going to destroy yourself and, and the devil's going to eat your lunch, so to speak. We have got to have that intimate relationship so we can hear from God. And that's, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about initially. But as we think about worship, we, you know, in Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, it says God created the heaven and the earth. Not the heaven and the earth. He created the heavens and the earth. Heavens is plural, right? Earth is singular. Okay, so let's see. All right, is there anywhere else in Scripture we might can verify that? Let's jump over to the New Testament. It's very important as we get into warfare worship that we understand this. You know, Jesus says, you pray your kingdom to come, your will to be done. Right where? In heaven as it is in earth. Or in earth as it is in heaven, I should say. And it should be vice, they really should be one and the same because God has created the earth for his purposes, right? So if we look at 2 Corinthians 12, 2 and 3, he says, I know a man in this is Paul speaking. Some think that Paul is talking about himself and others, other theologians think it didn't really matter who he's talking about, right? He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Now what's that telling us? Okay, you can you can flip it. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a new flipper today. (laughs) So Terry gets just the first part, okay? (laughs) You can go to that scripture. Let me see. (laughs) Let me try. That's okay. That's okay. You're doing great. I just fired you. (laughs) Well, we kind of sprung it on her all at one time, so bless her, sweetheart. She's doing, yeah, yeah. That's what I love about Debbie. She's, she's just willing to do anything she can to help. You know, we're going to miss her when she moves to South Carolina. Anyway, let's get back. Okay. The third heaven. So if there's a third heaven, what is that telling us? There must be a first and a second heaven, right? So you think Paul was mistaken when he said caught up in the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body? I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out. I don't know. God knows he goes on to talk about things that he heard that were just incredible, you know, and all this. And so we all, in the third heaven, that, that is where God resides. That's where he sits on his throne. Now, when we had praise and worship this morning, our praise and worship wasn't just for the ceiling. It was to go into the third heaven. It's very important that we understand that. And so we also see in Romans 8, 34, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Where does that mean Jesus is? In the third heaven, Ephesians one and two says that we're given all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm. Right. And we have joint seating with Christ. So that is also in the third heaven. So it's very important that we understand that the third heaven is where we pray to God and where he responds to us from. Okay. God doesn't have an apartment up on fifth Avenue in New York city. Right? He probably wishes he did. And I sure wish he did. <laughs> but maybe things would be a little bit different. Because we sang when the presence of God is here. Things change, don't they? So in the third heaven, we pray to God. He responds to us. But it's also in Ephesians two six It says, He raised us up with Christ. He ra- we Do ha- you know you have joint seating with Christ? Now where is Christ seated? Third, right beside of God in the third heaven, right? Not in New York City on... The- Fifth Avenue, he's, and so it says we have joint seating with him positionally. I mean, believers walk in that authority, walk in that position, or do we see ourselves? So it's our place of positional authority in Christ. And and it's so important that we understand the position in Christ so we can understand our authority here on the earth. Okay. So I'm going to jump back all the way to the first heaven. If there's the third heaven, there's got to be a first heaven, right? So let's go to the first heaven. Okay, and we see that now there's some, some disagreement on some of this, but I like what, uh, some of the people that I like to read say that the earth, the first heaven is really the earthly realm which includes the earth and the visible heavens. Everything God created in Genesis 1 is the first heaven, okay? So it includes the earthly realm. It includes man being on the earth. And it tells us in Psalm 8 that God made the earth and put man in charge of his creation. Everybody knows that scripture. We're very familiar with it. He said, God, what are we that you would even give us a thought? And he said, but yet you made us just a little lower than whom? No, no, no. You're in the wrong translation. If you look at that word in scripture, it's Elohim. If you go back and look at the Hebrew, it's Elohim. And let me tell you, there's a lot of... (laughs) Some of the translations were afraid to put that in there, Elohim. Because I thought we couldn't be a little lower lower than God. That's how God sees us. That's how God sees us. One day we're going to rule over the angels. You know the Bible tells us that? Now, yes, so we serve God. We, we are, we are created a little lower than God. Look that up in your Hebrew. I'll help you through it if you need it. It also tells us in Psalm 24, 1 and 2, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to Him for He laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. So we see that, so God created everything that's in the earth, didn't He? He gave us authority in the earth. And we also see if we're reading, you know, we've taught this so many times, but Jesus broke the headship of Satan in the earth realm and he established a government called the church, right, to rule in the earth. He broke Satan's headship. He has a government. Matthew 16 tells us this. He has a government in the in the earth to rule. It's called ecclesia, ecclesia, the church, right? Okay, so so we see, and when Je- that's why Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking about where God is ruling and reigning in the third heaven. So why isn't it happening? Because there's a thing called the second heaven, <laughs> okay? And this is kind of, and we're not going to get into Daniel 8, 9, and 10, and we can, you know, go, back, go home and read all that, 8, 9, and 10, and you'll see the warfare that went on in this place. But uh, Ephesians, the second heaven is is what we talk about in Ephesians 6 or what Paul talks about where the powers and principalities operate, okay? I want to say one thing, and I'm not going to unpack it here, but maybe later, is that we are not given any authority to fight demons in the second heaven. We have no authority there. God has given us authority on the earth, okay? Okay, so let's keep that in mind. So Ephesians 2, 2 tells us, in which you used to talk about the people that were born again, in which you the world you used to live in when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who now at work in those who are disobedient. So Satan is the ruler of the prince of the air in the second heaven. And then John 12, 31, 14, 30, 16, 11, Jesus called Satan the ruler of the world. But remember, he broke his headship at Calvary. And so the second heaven is a demonic hierarchy that's established to work against us and God to gain access in the earth. I know this might be a little hard for some, okay? You shouldn't be. Not this crowd in here today. You guys have heard this kind of thing. So so it's powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness. And Satan can only gain access into the earth where he is allowed. So when you have people burning Bibles in Portland, Satan has been allowed in Portland. When you have government that supports things that are an abomination to God, we've allowed him access in our government. When we have businesses or churches where the, where the evil presence is there, someone has allowed, someone in leadership has allowed the access to the enemy. And so, and in, in your home, in your home, If things are going crazy in your home, the first thing I say do go through your house and see what doors are open. Where has the enemy been given access? You can't live for the devil in your home and expect God's blessings on Sunday in your home, okay? That's the word of God, right? Okay? So get it together if you have any issues that are prolonged, okay? So so how so how does he gain legal legal right? And it's through our rebellion and our sinful behaviors. It's through our rebellion and the earth, this nation is filled with rebellion. I mean, when when it's okay to burn a Bible, when it's okay to close churches, when it's okay to say, well, you can't sing in your church or you can't even come to your church, there's a problem there. We have a real problem, especially a nation founded on freedom. And so here again, let me tell you, it's not Republican versus Democrat. It's light versus dark. It's light versus dark. Don't get all hung up on on labels. That's what the enemy wants to do to separate the body. It's light versus darkness. And so he can only gain access through us, uh, through our personal sin or through corporate sin, as mentioned on the national level. So think about what are the open doors that lead to warfare that goes on between the devil and the church. And where does this warfare happen? It happens on the earth, not in the second heaven. Right? Right? It happens in the earth. It's certainly not going on in the third heaven because God got him snuffed out up there, right? So we give away authority. Now this is this is warfare one oh one. You know, we've taught this so much. So when the powers and principalities are given legal authority to the earth, we then have we then have the church is the only one that has the power over these powers and principalities that are operating in the earth. We're the only one. No Democrat, no Republican, you know, no Baptist, no Presbyterian, no Pentecostal. It's the church that has a heart for God. It's the church that's on fire. It's the church that can cry, "Lord, we want more of you." It's the church that's walking in purity. We have the authority to walk in this in this authority over the power of the darkness. So, just quickly, some of the ways that the the devil comes in, and this, you know, these and Leviticus 18, Deuteronomy 29, Jeremiah, and there's many, many others. These are some big, big Leviticus 18, especially. So how do we, how does, in a nation, how do, how do, how does the devil get access in a nation? How about the shedding of innocent blood? Children's lives being destroyed. How about 60 plus million babies that were aborted? And we passed the law saying it's okay. So we just said in our nation, corporately, God, we've opened this door for this sin of the, of the shedding of innocent blood. That needs to be reversed. The church has got to get on their face and pray and quit playing church, quit having these mamby-pamby sermons, quit being afraid they're going to offend somebody. And get into, get on their face in prayer and worship and, and fasting and turn this nation. See, there's a very important word in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. It's the word if, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And it, you know, it's not asking for anyone else. So if, if God's people are only a handful of people, which I believe is the remnant church, God said he'll heal our land, right? But the the Christians have got to quit being passive. I'm not saying go out. You know, we don't believe in destruction. We don't believe in that. But I tell you what, I believe in destroying the, the, the powers and principalities that has access in the earth. That's what I believe in destroying. We have that authority. How about idolatry and the worship of other gods? My husband and I were talking. I said, isn't it interesting? All the theaters are closed. All these idols that we've created out of Hollywood suddenly have nothing to do. How about all the sports idols? They're even talking about putting blow up people in the stands and having crowd noise to feed their stupid egos. Can you believe this? So what is almost funny to see how God is allowing all of these idols in our nation to to tumble. Isn't that interesting? And then we have, you know, we have sports teams. One's bowing, one's not bowing. Well, just, just leave them all alone. You know, I don't think we need them. But anyway, well, but what about worship and idolatry in our own heart? What's more important in our heart than God? It might be our own stubborn ways. I want my way. You know, self is the biggest obstacle to the power of God moving in a life, in a church, in a business, in a nation. When we have to say it's all about me, it's never about God, right? It has to be only about him. How about sexual perversion, immorality, homosexuality, bestiality, incest? How about all of those? That we have passed laws on some of these. We've applauded some of these. We've made them. Some of these things. Okay, they're even now saying that pedophilia is a natural response. I mean, we've lo- we've lost our minds, guys. There's laws going through that's trying to say that pedophilia is a natural thing. Well, it's about as natural as, as a two-eyed, you know, three-eyed. A cat or something. It's not natural. It's sick. It's perverted. It need, We need this. People need. The church needs to say no to these things. We've got to say no. Immorality. Homos, you, you know, homosexuality has been pu- just pushed down our throats. You know, and people are convinced they're born that way. Well, a lot of people are born a lot of ways. But God, Jesus came and put them on the cross, didn't he? I mean, they might have been born that way. But people are born liars, cheats, and thieves. And God just takes care of all of that. How about opening gates to occultic involvement? We have statues of Baphomet, I think, in Detroit now. We have demonic symbols and images all through our nation. And, you know, the church is just, oh, don't offend anybody. Maybe we can win some of them. Well, you're not going to win them the way you're trying to win them, the world. world, You can't win the world with the world. You know, and when we say, when is God not enough? When is God not we gotta have all these little schemes and all these little gimmicks and all these little tricks when is God not enough? Uh, my God is enough. How about your God? The opening gates to the occultic involvement, you say, Well, I've never done that. How about horoscopes? You read those every day? Better not, if you want God in your life. There's also charismatic witchcraft, by the way. Charismatic and witchcraft seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? But it's not. There's a lot of witchcraft that's gotten into the church. How many? How, how many of us get up every morning to get our prophetic word from Sister So and So or Brother So and So? Why can't we just get into the Word and hear it from God? And there are valid, valid prophets. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying that. There's great. I love them. I listen to them. I read the ones that I believe in. Some of them I just ditch. Right when, they, especially when they start advertising a book or ask for an offering. So we, we need to be careful. Is God, is God happy with what we're doing? Is he happy with what we're watching, seeing? How about perversion of justice, calling something wrong, right, that's wrong? Just like what we just talked about. That's an abomination. The Bible, t- these are all, I have scripture to back all these up, by the way. It's an abomination. when the When our court systems will not fairly judge evil and sin in a nation, the nation comes under the abomination of God. How about oppressing the poor? Oppressing the poor. We could go on. There's other things that do as well. I remember Barbara Wintraub, when she was, she went into Afghanistan right after all this 9-11 stuff happened. And she said she put on her little mask and she was invited into whoever was the head of the state. And she went in there and prophesied to him. And she said she was not going to be intimidated. But she said every nation that the Muslim religion, Muslim religion has authority in, women are depressed. When I say, they're pressed down. Their rights are violated. Every nation. And, you, and you, you know, I'm telling you, it's coming. If, you, if we don't pray, it's coming. That's why I believe God wants the women to rise up. He wants the women to rise up and be the people God has created them to. He wants the men to come up, too. A lot of men are falling asleep. We need the males in the church to, to be the prayer warriors. We need we need the women to be the prayer warriors. We need Deborah's and we need Daniel's, Right? Amen. Yes, that's the right answer. So the word of God tells us these sins are all an abomination and they defile our land. So if they open, they open doors. So it's not. The, so we say, OK, God, send your angels. OK, well, God will just take care of it. God will send his angels to war, not to Portland, not if the church doesn't pray. See, the angels are doing warfare, but it's the church that's the firepower behind the angels doing the warfare. It's the prayers that are the firepower. It's the worship that's the firepower. Send us the fire. What's it for? So we can have goosebumps and feel good? No, we got to do something with it. And in Psalm one hundred three nineteen, it says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. Where? In the heavens. And his kingdom rules over what? All affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord. This is the Amplified. You, his angels, this is not Elohim, this is messengers, this is angels. You mighty ones, listen to this, who do his commandments, hearkening to the voice of the word. Now, that's telling me, who's going to speak the word in the earth? We are the church. So if the church is speaking the word of God, the angels are going to be hearkening to the word that's going forth if we're in agreement with the word of God. Not some self-fulfilled and self-grandizing type thing. No, we're speaking the word of God. When we take authority, when we command sickness to leave, when we take authority over demons, the angels are there to to work on behalf of the word of God. And it says, all you host, you you his ministers who do his pleasure, bless the Lord all his works in places of his dominion. Bless, praise the Lord, O my soul. So Revelation 12:11 tells us we overcome the lamb, I mean, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and what the word of our testimony and we do not love our lives unto death. So see there's a price to pay. So the man be pamby, be, you know, skipping through the tulips Christian is not going to it's not going to make it in warfare, let me just tell you. So we better be praying for that group of people to wake up. I know I love what Zach says all the time, we got to wake up, wake up. So we got to wake up the body of Christ. So that's a prayer point need God wake up your body. We were talking this week. I said, except for the grace of God, we might be asleep. Thank God for his word and his spirit that pierces our heart. This is something Chuck Pierce says, and he's got an awesome book called Worship Warrior. Worship Warrior. It's an old book, but it's certainly well worth reading today. It's amazing to me how so many things in Scripture and even books have kind of taken on a new life today. But he said, worship produces a strong influence in the invisible world. That's what, you know? powers, principality, spirits, when God is glorified, his power and his light increases proportionately. Simultaneously, the voices of darkness in the invisible world can be pushed back and weakened through worship so that they will have less probability of obstructing the purposes of God here on earth. It is at this point that worship can become a powerful weapon of spiritual warfare powerful weapon. See how important the heart is and you can go back to Ephesians 6 which we're not going to you talk about all the pieces, you got the breastplate of righteousness, you got the helmet and all that protecting the heart, you got the belt of truth, you got the shield. But you know what? Then we have the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. And so we see this we see this actually demonstrated through scripture. So we see that warfare worship will actually silence the enemy. Now how many people today are struggling with the enemy speaking into their heads you're never going to make it you're, you're never going to get healed you're going to go broke your kids are never going to come around I mean there's a time when the, the enemy needs to be silenced right well look what Jesus said in Matthew 21 and he's quoting from Matthew 8 he says but when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts Hosanna to the son of David they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they ask him. Yes, replied Jesus, have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. He's quoting from Psalm 8, 2 that says, From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. Why? Because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. So as we begin to pray, see, you can only think of one thing at a time, you know. You cannot really only, some people think they can have three or four, you can't do it, it's not possible. You can only have one thought at a time. So when the enemy's telling you, you're going broke, you're never going to make it, worship is saying you're silencing, the Word of God says we silence the enemy by our praise. So we begin to pray, God, I thank you that I, you, I, you supply all of my need. I thank you, God, that all of my children are going to find their peace in you and they are going to be they're going to follow after you. I thank you, Father God, that me and my household shall be saved. I thank you God what I put my hands to prospers. I thank you God that we live in a time of Goshen, that we are in a time of preparation. I thank you God that you, every word in your Bible tells me that I'm healed and not sick, that I'll live and not die. See, when you're saying that, you can't listen to what the enemy's saying. So, so worship, it silences the enemy. And so worship is really about war. Worship is really about war. It's one kingdom displacing another kingdom. When we were worshiping in your day, it's just if you felt the presence of God, you just felt the presence of God just bring, come right in, just brought in his, his goodness, his presence, his His wonder. And, you know, when God's in here, things happen, things change. That's why it's important that we be engaged with worship. It's so important that we be engaged with worship. So as we think about the times when the enemy's trying to torment you, when the enemy wants to torment you, you need to begin to praise we also know in Scripture that warfare worship brings provision. Don't get all nervous about what's happening in this season. Use your head. Be wise. Don't be dumb, right? But God provides for us. But here's an example. In 2 Kings three 1-16, through 16, the kings of Judah, Israel, and Edom were fighting against the king of Moab when they found themselves in the desert without water. They called the prophet Elijah or Elisha. And so this is what Elisha said. This is interesting that he said this in 2 Kings three fifteen. He said, now bring me a harpist. Go get Dan. Go get the worship team. So when there's a need, what do we do? We worship. He said, while the, while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to fill the valley with pools of water. So see, as we begin to work, I don't know what song they were playing. might have been singing hallelujah. Who knows? Raise a hallelujah. Who knows what they were playing? might have just been one of David's psalms. Who knows? But while they were worshiping, while the harpist was playing, God was beginning to fill the pools of the valley. Isn't that not incredible? The hand of God came on Elisha with a prophetic word, and that word was fulfilled. And I guarantee you, none of those people said, Oh, I don't believe that. I guarantee you they they went to get the prophet. You believe the prophets, you're going to prosper. So God's provision came when the people worship. Worship releases provision. Worship releases provision. And so we go, it also, I'm going to bring up 2 Chronicles 20. You know, I can't ever talk about warfare worship without talking about this. And y'all should know this all over the place by now. But in second, uh, second Chronicles twenty verses one through twenty four, you know the story. But in verses in verse twelve, it says, "Our God will not." They're talking about there's this huge army coming against Jehoshaphat, and it looks impossible. And in the natural, it is impossible. You know, it, looking at at our nation, if you, t- I can't even I can't even listen to the news because when I look at the news, I get dis- discouraged because it looks impossible. But God, right? But God, the same God that was here with Jehoshaphat and with Elisha is here with us in this nation. we got to believe that. Well, the same thing they did to get God to move His hand is what we have to do. Right? We can't sit around here and bellyache and whine and complain that we don't have this and we don't have that. and Where's God and all this? No, we got to give Him praise for who He says He is. Our God will not judge them. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. He's talking to God. Second Timothy says that for God has not given to us a spirit of fear, right? The last thing, and I ministered on fear a few weeks ago. The last thing you need to do is get caught up in fear in this season. Because fear will rob you of your faith. If God's spoken something to your heart, don't you allow fear to rob you of that. That you take hold of that word. And then in verse 17 it says, you will, not have, you will not have to fight this battle. This is God talking to the king. You know, this is what God's saying. You don't have to fight this battle. I'm in charge. I've got this thing. If you're worshiping me, if your hearts are clean, if your hearts are obedient. He says, take up your position, stand firm, see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Now this is a word from God. The prophet came through the prophet. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. All the people fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Let me tell you something. God is not, he's not timid. He's not nervous. It's okay if when we praise God that we have a loud voice in praising the Lord. Let's not allow the enemy to close our voice. And so the Lord encourages Jehoshaphat. Because God's weapons of warfare are not man's methods of warfare. In this day we're in, they're not. See, it's not a political genius that we need. We need that. We need the powers of the church to rise up and put back the powers of darkness. that's trying to destroy our land. Then we go to 20 and 21. So early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. You know, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that word Tekoa. You know, it means to, it means a trumpet blast. It means a clap. It means a shout. It's actually the same word used for tent peg. We looked at with Deborah and in, in Deborah. They were in the place where a noise needed to be heard. And then it says, And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in the prophets and you will be successful. You gotta know who you're listening to, guys. You gotta know who you're listening to. If they're not if they're not agreeing with the word. If they're not bringing hope, hope either comes through repentance or just through obedience. If if they're not doing that, then I don't believe they're of God, honestly. If they're asking you to, to buy their latest book, and that's the whole goal of giving you. There's nothing wrong buying the books. I buy so many, right? Dan and I have so many. We don't even know what to think about. But we have to be careful who we listen to. And he said... After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him. That word praise is the word um, helem, H-E-L-E-M in the transliteration. Listen what it means. It means to extol greatness as an act of worship. So he appointed men to worship God for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So what went ahead of the army? Worship. Worship goes ahead of the army. And so how often do we turn to fear instead of worship? Oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. We're going under. We're going under. We're going to die. We're going to die. Our kids are going to hell. What are we going to do? We need to turn to worship instead of fear. Fear means that we have a lack of trust in God and who he says he is. And I said it and I believe with all my heart. I believe in this season that we're in, God is doing some transitioning in people's lives. I believe God is opening doors and closing doors. And you cannot be afraid to walk through the doors that God is asking you to walk through. I believe we're in a very strategic window of time. I really believe that. And so we, we need to make sure, that's why we need to hear from God. Because when we worship God, He's going to speak to us. So what was God's weapon against the army? Listen to this. And worship, warfare worship will truly confuse the enemy. You guys are so familiar with this. It says, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise. At the very moment, now there's a reason that's in the Scripture. It's like when Elisha, while they were playing the harp, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. I think we're seeing some of that, honestly, in our nation. Because we're seeing some of the, the destructive people destroying other destructive people. Right? I believe we're seeing that. I really do. We've got to keep those that firepower coming in worship. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. That's chaos. That's confusion, isn't it? And and in 2 Chronicles 20, 25, it says that there was so much plunder, it took them three days to collect it all. That's a very familiar portion. We use this a lot when we talk about warfare worship. We can never forget it. The moment they begin to praise, God sends confusion. The church has got to rise up and and truly worship God. And He will do the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God began to do battle against the enemy because the church was doing battle here, going through this. I believe I could just, just like I saw today, I believe as the church was praising, those, those powers in that second heaven were just going like this. They were in utter confusion. I believe they were getting scattered everywhere. It's the same thing that's going to happen in our lives when we begin to worship the Lord. So the worship will bring confusion. Also, worship will bring supernatural deliverance. Whoops, what happened here? Put me back on stream, Pastor Zach. (laughs) So you can't do two things at one time either. (laughs) See, Debbie, it's not just you. Our There you go. It's uh, warfare worship brings deliverance. Yeah, sorry about that. And these notes are up in the um, podcast. There you go. Acts 16, 16, 28. Paul and Silas are in the prison, right? They're, they're all chained up. They got their feet in stocks. And then about verse 25, it tells us. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prison were, prisoners were listening to them. And what? suddenly there was a great earthquake. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. Let me tell you, you need an earthquake sometimes in your life. And if Paul and Silas were singing and praising God when they were, they didn't know they were going to live or die the next day. But they weren't in there whining and crying. They were singing praises to God. And then suddenly God sends an earthquake. Has anybody ever had God, maybe it's symbolically an earthquake in your life? He just totally shakes things up. He moves things around. <laughs> he just moves things out that need to be out. But yeah, ab- a- amen, that's right. And that's what he does. And there was a great earthquake so that the very foundations of the thing that was holding them was shaken. See, the very foundations of what the enemy's using to hold you, the lies that he's using to hold you, the fear, those things can be shaken because we're singing praise to God and giving him worship. And don't you love these these terms? Suddenly and immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Everyone's bonds were loosed. I love that. When, so, where do you need deliverance in your life? Think about it. Where do you need deliverance? Begin to worship God in that area. Begin to praise God. What does the word of God say about this? Maybe you need deliverance from addictions. Let me tell you, worship can set you. I told you last week, you can worship yourself out of every situation. I believe it with all my heart. Maybe in poverty, maybe you, don't have, maybe you don't have the finances you need. Worship yourself out of that situation. God can send an earthquake in there, right? How about sickness? Worship God. Worship God for your healing. Don't don't come into agreement with the devil about your sickness. How about fear? So as we begin to worship God, we're going to see that God is going to bring that spiritual earthquake, shatter things, rearrange everything, and He's going to put you in a place you need to be of freedom. And one last thing is that warfare and worship go together. Like I said, two sides of the same coin. I love this scripture in Psalm 149. And I want you to listen to this. It says, let the praises of God be in their mouth and a sharp sword in their hand. You got the word coming out. You got the sword, the word of the spirit to do for you. You got the word going out of praise and you got the sword of the spirit. And what's it for? To execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the people. See, we're not, we're not literally going out here and executing ourselves, people, but what's God, God's shifting the heavens. He's bringing the earthquakes. He's rearranging the government. He's fixing laws. He's getting evil people out of where they need to be out of. That's what he's doing. He says to execute vengeance on the nation, punishment on the people, to bind their kings with shackles and their leaders with iron chains. These are the kings and the leaders of evil empowers that are ruling and ruining the earth and our nation. It can, God can just move people out of organizations. I've seen people in recent years, God just, I mean, they weren't really good for what was God wanted to do. I've just seen them all of a sudden resign. And then and I'm thinking of one, I'm not going to talk about it, but there's one in particular in our county, God re, this man resigned and, he, you know, God sends in a spirit-filled, tongue-talking director. I thought wasn't well, that nice that God did that he you see what happened but there's godly people in there and what happened God just sent that little earthquake he just broke it open move this person out move this person in that's what God'll do for you he says to bind their kings with shackles their leaders with iron to execute the judgment written against them there's a judgment written against evil by the way it's by default there's a judgment written against evil this is the glorious privilege of the faithful ones who us We praise God and and then we use the word. We praise God, we use the word. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. We don't love our lives unto death. So we become victorious. And it says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So in worship, we carry out God's will on the evil plots of the enemy. Do You see how important you are? see how important you are? In worship, in prayer, when we come together, we're carrying out God's will on the evil that's manifesting in our nation, in our cities, in our schools. God's going to put the people there that need to be there. This is why we can say we're more than conquerors. We're more than victorious if we believe what the word of God says, right? How many are, how many are warriors in here? Yes, yes. We got that bulldog tenacity, right? I heard one time somebody said the reason a bulldog's nose is slanted back like this, or whatever way it is, is so he can grab hold and hold on and still breathe and never let go. <laughs> so I think that's true. I think that's true. So let's stand. I want to pray over us, and then we're gonna we're gonna transition to our water baptism. So the ones that are uh, well, I want you to hear what I have to say about water baptism. Um, you want to? You guys that are getting baptized, are you dressed now, or do you need to go get dressed? Okay, go ahead and get dressed and then come back, and then I'll read what I I have here for water baptism. Maybe Dan could lead us in some worship while we're waiting. Give us some warfare stuff. Yeah, we're missing Wayne and Anita. They're up in the mountains today. That's a real bulldog warrior. He says he loves warfare. I bet you they're listening. I want you to think about maybe an area in your life that you really need deliverance or you need provision or you need freedom, whatever it might be. Think about an area in your life that you really need for God to come through. I want you to believe that you can worship yourself out of that situation. Maybe it's a past mistake you've made. Has anybody here not made a past mistake? I say it all the time. We all have clauses. We want to bolt the door, don't we? We want to open the door, (laughs) right? Well, look, we've got to let it go. You know, when God called you to do whatever He's called you to do, He knew He knew you were going to do everything you did. But He also knows what you did do. You know, and He's not the least bit moved by it. It's people that get moved by it. It's flesh that gets moved by it. So God, we just thank You, Lord. And we praise Your mighty name. And we just bless You. We thank You. We adore You. We need You so desperately, God, our Father God. God, we just want to declare your glory. We want to declare the holiness of God. Lord, we just want to lift our hearts and our praises up to you. God, we know that through wor- worship and, and prayer, Father God, that chains can fall off of people. Their minds can be cleared. Addictions can be broken. Poverty can be erased. We talk about systemic racism. God, We're not gonna we're not going to vote it out of office. What we're going to do is, Lord, we're going to have to vote it out of our hearts. We need to vote it out of our hearts, Father God, because we are all created in your image, as your image, Lord, in this earth. God, help us to see the truth of what your word says. We declare, Lord, that you are holy, that you are righteous, that you are incredibly wonderful. We declare, Lord, your incredible knowledge. God, we so desire to hear your voice and to, to speak what you want us to speak. As we go into war for our cities and our nation, God, we want to speak what you want to speak. We want to declare this word. We have praises on our lips and the sword, the word of God in our hand to carry out your will and your purposes. So God, we thank you for it.